Now, today we're going to do something that I've been wanting to do for quite a while and been waiting for the right time frame for, for this to happen, and God's worked it out for us to do this today. So I'm real excited that, that we're going to be able to do this today. And I'm actually going, going to interview a couple in our, fam, our church family by the name of Pat and Karen Farrell. So I'm going to ask them to go ahead and make their way out. And um, let me tell you about them while they're coming out. For the past almost two years, uh, Pat has been needing a heart transplant. And so we began the journey of praying uh, with him and for him on that journey. And uh, he actually got a new heart. And uh, it's with him today, believe it or not. So super excited to have this couple here, and many of you have been praying for them and real curious about their story and, and what's happening and what God is doing in them and, and the things that they are learning. So I've had the privilege of having several conversations with them, and, and I just thought, man, this would be so great for us as a church family to hear this. I want all of us to be in this conversation um, because some of the things that they have to say are very profound for all of us. And uh, you may not be in a spot where you've got a bad heart and, and need a heart transplant physically, um, but I know all of us are in a spot where we need God to do some work in us, uh, do some work specifically in our hearts and a spiritual level. Um, so I, I pray that you just open your ears, open your heart, open your mind today as, as, uh, as we have this conversation and uh, allow God to speak to you through this conversation. So uh, would you guys, just as a way of quick introduction, uh, just tell us how long you, you've been married, how long you've been in the area, how, how long you've been, you know, working on this really nice Santa Claus beard and, and hair. Um, Belly. Well, I wasn't saying that. I wasn't going there. So just a quick introduction for all of us. Uh, we've um, been married for uh, 41 years. It'll be 42 in November. Um, I met Karen, what, in, jo- in June? Of what? Come on, help me out. Don't leave me hanging. We met in June of 1974. 1974, and I proposed to her in July. And we got married in November. So that was almost 42 years ago. 1974 was was a good year, apparently. It was 42 years ago, because you you proposed July 27th. Oh, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. So after a quick engagement, do you guys think it's going to work out? I think we need some marriage counseling. Okay, some marriage counseling. We (laughs) We need need marriage counseling. (laughs) So um, uh, tell us how long you both have been Christ followers. It's interesting because we really hadn't thought about how long, but we were counting up the years back there, and we've both been Christ followers for 45 years each. So I was 16 when I gave my heart to the Lord and had a wonderful experience, and I started a little prayer group in my school. That's awesome. I was a little ostracized, but yeah. And he was 20. So 45 years each. Yeah. That's great. And I met Karen at a Bible study and the next day I baptized her. True. Wow. True. Wow. <laughs> baptized her then married her. Yeah. 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 How great is that? I fixed him hot dogs and baked beans that day. Oh, that did it right I'll there. Her. Right there. That, that sealed the deal. Um, so what have you guys done for, for a living, done for work in your lives? Well, I, uh, when we met, I was just finishing school as an x-ray tech, um, radiologic technologist. And, um, and she was offered a job, so I said, marry me. 
because the job would be outside of the area. Yeah, it was, it was like an hour and a half away. So anyway, I never did take the job, married him instead. And then uh, a few years later, we started building houses, and I mentored and became a, a, not an architect. I, I could have gotten my license, but um, I designed houses for 18 years, and then we moved here, and now I'm a real estate broker okay. for 12 years. So that's what you do currently? <laughs> currently, yes. Okay. And my job was a beach bum, college student, and then school teacher, public school teacher for 42 years. Okay. So great. We got any school teachers here? A few? Yeah, there's one that's really excited for him. Great. We're praying for you after the service. I see one of my students right here, front row. Oh, how great is that? That's awesome. Now, you, uh, how long have you guys been a part of our church family? Four or we five were, years, something like that. We were over to the F car building. Yeah, yep. So we uh, September will be four years here. So it's about five oh, years. Five about years, five something, years. Somewhere along those lines. Okay. So about two years ago, you guys began this medical journey that was uh, real unique, and uh, I want you to just tell us about that. Take us back to about two years ago. What happened? Okay. Well, he had had a massive heart attack back in '04 which caught, he had heart damage. So all these years he's had heart damage. Well, a couple years ago, because of the lack of blood flowing through his body, his organs were starting to fail. His kidneys were failing and his lungs were failing. Everything was going downhill. Um, and so they determined that he was a candidate, that he needed a new heart. His heart was done because it had been working overtime for a long time. Um, and so we were pushed by his cardiologist into the Transplant Institute in Orlando. And we went there and met with the team on a Monday, and they put him in the hospital on Wednesday. And that, that was, uh, we went from there. His heart was so bad and his organs were so bad that he wasn't, after they tested him, a candidate for the transplant at that time. So they actually attached a pump to his heart with a lead that came out of side and plugged into batteries. So for 10 months, he carried a battery pack around, and at night, I plugged him in the wall. So his heart actually ran by battery. Christian cyborg. <laughs> and we got to see you come to church on many yeah, occasions yeah, with your battery yeah. uh, pack and Absolutely. close to the outlets. Yeah. yeah. The problem he had is that you know his batteries only last so long, and he's supposed to carry his emergency uh, batteries with him, and I don't understand why. I would put notes on the doors, I would lay notes in the floor. He would go and leave without his, his extra batteries, and I was just like, because oh. once it starts beeping, he has 15, 15 minutes, minutes to, live. To, get, to, to put new batteries in, and he just for some reason couldn't remember that. But I don't know that I'd ever leave home. <laughs> you know well, we made it through, and 10 months, uh, he had that uh, pump for 10 months. Uh, they, January 7th, they had tested him, and at that point, they felt that his organs had healed enough because the pump was pumping the blood through his body, and had, his organs had, uh, they were testing him all the time, were good enough for him to actually take a heart. So they put him on the list January 7th, and March 29th, 83 days later, we got the call. So, so I had the pump for 10 months, and then 83 
days. Um, well, that was part of the 10 months, but yeah. 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 But, so 83 days later, we got the call. He was fishing under the bridge in Flagler with his little dog. And uh, I was actually showing property in Jacksonville, which I never show property in Jacksonville. <laughs> but uh, I had just finished up, and he called me, and he said... Don't be, don't worry, don't, don't get, don't stress out, drive, drive to the speed limit, you know, but I've got, you know, I said, what, what, what? I'm thinking something happened to the kids because, you know, it's not really in your mind. After so much time goes by, it's not really in your mind. And he says, we have a heart. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, life goes into like, what? <laughs> so we had to, at that point, we had to gather all his equipment they had told us when we go to the hospital, they, he had to take all his batteries, he had big equipment that we had to carry, all the paperwork, everything that he had at that point, we had to take with us to the hospital. So our son Jordan came over and we rushed around and packed it all up and we headed to Orlando. So that was the 29th. So take us back just prior to that. What is it like waiting for a heart, waiting for that phone call? Hmm. Uh, it was it was at first anxious uh, and um, not really knowing what to expect. Uh, I you know at first I thought well it could be any day it could be any moment, and then after you know six months well it might be a year from now it might be two years from now I don't know, and so you get a little lax in your uh, um, expectation. And so I was totally relaxed and not unexpecting as I was sitting with my fishing pole and my doggy um, when the call came in. Uh, but once uh, you know it was, once I knew it was there, then we were all in all in gear and ready to go. A little bit afraid that we'd get there late. We'd get there too late, and the heart would no longer be alive or viable. Um, but uh, everything worked out just fine. Okay, so you get the call, you rush down, and does that mean, hey, we're all good, green light, let's, let's make it all happen, or are there still some things that needed to happen before? Yeah, there's then? still some things that uh, needed to happen. Um, when you go, it simply means we have a heart, and it appears to be uh, a good one for you. It's the right size for your body size. It's, uh, um, what else? Right blood type. Yeah, right blood type, very important. Um, but um, that's just the basics. So on those basics, they call you and you rush in and they prep you for a major surgery. And while you're lying on the table waiting for the uh, uh, happy juice to take place, <laughs> uh, the doctor is running around going, going to get the heart and then testing it uh, to make sure it is alive and strong and, and ready to be placed in your body. And if it isn't, they'll wake you up and send you back home and say, well, we'll have to do it again another time. Mm. So you got there and you get the green light, heart's good, heart's a match, we're a go. And what are you thinking before the happy juice takes effect? <laughs> uh, what's well, going through your mind? I mean, um, you're, you're looking at, I might wake up looking at Jesus or yes. I may wake up looking at my wife. That's, that's exactly right. Um, at that point in time, it's okay. Um, it's now. Uh, am I going to uh, die on the operating table and see my Lord? Or am I going to come through this and have a new heart and uh, continue on? Uh, 
But I want, I want you to understand that this process changed my life over time. It's been 12 to 13 years now since the major heart attack. And when that occurred, you know, afterwards we're sitting around uh, wondering if I'm going to have another one at any moment. Um, and it was a massive heart attack. And my doctor said, you only have probably two or three years and all this stuff. So every time right afterwards, you're, you're sensitive to every little feeling. And, and uh, we were a bit of a basket case for, uh, we'd be sitting on the sofa in the living room and uh, just tears come out and, you know, but the uncertainty of things. And then we move on uh, through the time and give it to the Lord, give it to the Lord. And then I get on the pump and I've got that 15 minute window, you know, turn off that electricity and I got 15 minute window. And um, now with the heart transplant ready to take place, uh, here's the window, <laughs> you know, it's now. And um, through that process, you know, I had to um, really talk seriously with the Lord about uh, who I was in him and who he was for me. Uh, and by his love and grace, I just came to understand and know that um, he's my everything. And uh, if I live, I live to understand and know Jesus Christ better. And if I die, uh, I go and be with him. Um, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. But then I look at if I go and be with him, how's my wife going to be? How are my children going to be? Uh, that's always in there. And if I'm allowed to remain and live, why? <laughs> and the only answer I had from the Holy Spirit was to love someone. That's why you're here to love. If you're not, do if you're not dead, you've got more people to love. It's <laughs> a great statement. So you were able to have some peace in that moment that, as Scripture says, kind of passes all understanding. Yes, very much. That uh, we can actually have that as Christ followers in moments where we could be very anxious, and yet you were able to find some peace. Yes. So uh, a lot of people are wondering, what is it like to have somebody else's heart beating in your chest? Yeah, it's kind well, of weird. Actually, he's buying me jewelry. So I don't know who's Might heart this girl's heart. <laughs> he's bought me jewelry a couple times just off the wall, and I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. Good perk for her, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, don't, we don't know anything about the donor at all, no, uh, and we won't probably for a long time because the donor's family... If you think about it, it's, this has just been four months ago that he got the heart. So they're still in mourning, and they're going to be in mourning for some time. But at one point, we will have the opportunity to reach out to them, and it will be up to them whether they you know, reach back to us. So we may never know. Uh, we do know it's between a 20- and 40-year-old heart. One of the nurses told me 30. So he's got a 30-year-old heart in there is what I say. But... Uh, <laughs> I know he's he's gonna live longer than me now, <laughs> but to, to have it in there, it's surreal. But. Having someone else's heart, um, for me at first, it was like, you know, Jesus, uh, I don't want someone to die, so that I have an opportunity to live longer, and it's like, 
you know, that was way too, uh, I was putting something on myself that uh, shouldn't have been there. Um, it was wrong thinking. Um, the fact is that the donor, whoever they were, um, has their life story in Christ. Um, and their life story is theirs. I have personally nothing to do with it. Um, and my life story is mine. And when it comes down to it, this person, whoever they are, were kind enough and deep thinking enough to say, if I die and my organs are living and healthy, wouldn't it be nice to give them to someone else that needs them? And uh, I just... Um, you know, I know some Christians have difficulty with that thought process. I, um, I may have when I was younger. Oh, my organs, I want to keep them right here. You know, uh, But that's kind of silly. Karen, Karen saw something somewhere. It's like uh, this beautiful car cost $200,000. Never been driven. The guy bought it and then passed away. What do you want to do? Dig a hole and put, put the car in the hole and cover it up? And the heart's a lot, more, <laughs> a lot better than that. So, um, yeah, I thank God for, for donors. And, and I know that um, that person didn't die for me to live. But Christ Jesus died for me to live. And um, he's the one that's given me a new heart. That's great. So the, for us, the, the spiritual implications are huge. Mm-hmm. You know, here you are looking at it from a physical standpoint. Uh, someone did die, and because of their generosity, you are able to live. Right. Um, and continue to, to love your family and people that God brings you in contact with. Well, speak for a moment to us, you know, about what Jesus has done for us yeah. and, and that heart thing that, that he can do in our lives. Right. Well, um, two years ago, approximately, I was sitting here waiting for a worship service to begin. And I've done this a lot in my life. I imagine you have too. Whereas you, you don't have a specific thought on your mind, but you want to read the word. And so you do one of these tricks, you know, ah, well, I just so happened to do that that morning. And, um, I opened to Ezekiel I always have trouble finding Ezekiel too, by the way. But I opened to uh, Ezekiel um, chapter uh, 36, verse 25. And uh, and I read it and it says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony and stubborn heart and I will give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Um, and, and I knew that that was a specific word from God to me at that moment. And that, that in itself is just remarkable. I mean, this is a prophet lived a couple thousand years ago, and, and that was a specific word to Israel. And yet, somehow... In my specific situation, 2,000 years later, read this, son. Oh. Now, I had been praying for this. Lord, give me a new heart. I was uh, 
hoping it would be one of those miraculous events. Um, uh, kind of like a supernatural. Like a supernatural. Keep your heart and yeah, it gets fixed. Yeah, right, right. I was, I was uh, hoping on those lines. <laughs> but um, I'm glad uh, the Lord worked it out in his own way. And we don't understand his ways, but um, one thing's for sure, we grow through the process. Um, my thoughts together here. What has he been teaching me through it, right? He's been teaching me what we should know all along from the moment we heard the good news about Jesus Christ and salvation through his sacrifice and love. It's, it's there, right there for us. We had a stony heart, a heart that was stubborn and that resisted God's uh, love for us. And it was only by his, his greater love, his, his love for us and his foreknowledge and planning that he set his son Jesus to die for us because we couldn't save ourselves. I couldn't do anything about my old stony heart. It was, I'd already destroyed it, you know? And I, I couldn't do anything about it, only he could. And that's where you and I are today, every day of our life, we have a choice to make. We have a new heart available to us and God has his spirit that he wants to place in us in that new heart. Um, I'd always had trouble with the scripture about the new wine skin and, uh, and the new wine being placed in it. I don't understand why that was just popped in there and what it had to do with anything. And all of a sudden I, I saw that, uh, that um, without giving us a new heart, a heart that was receptive for Jesus Christ, um, we could not receive his spirit to dwell within us and to be in relationship with us. And that's what God's done for us. He's, he's provided a personal relationship with himself where he never leaves us, never forsakes us, and is there to meet our needs. Not necessarily to answer our prayers the way we want them answered, but to meet all of our needs in himself. And that's what I've learned. He, he meets all of my needs through his person. You know, that passage that you're reading there is so powerful because the Bible says that our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know them? Um, just a raise of hands. Anybody have a stubborn heart towards anything God wants to do in your life? Okay, I'm going to put my feet up. Um, there have been many moments in my life been very stubborn towards God and what he wanted to do. And there have been other moments where I'm like, Lord, like, what can you do with this? You know, like, I've messed up my heart pretty badly. And yet to, to get a promise like that from God, that, that God can take that heart out. God can put in a, a tender heart, a soft heart, a responsive heart, a heart that responds to what God wants to do. That's a gift 
that all of us can have. And so here we are talking about it in a real physical context, and yet for all of us, there's a real spiritual context for us as well, that if your heart is stubborn towards God, God can replace it with a a soft, responsive heart. If you know somebody who has a very stubborn heart towards God, and you think, you know what, they're never going to respond to what God wants them to do, don't ever say that. There are too many instances in Scripture where God reached in and grabbed somebody's heart and made it responsive. Um, so always be praying for, for that to happen in, in their lives. Now, Karen, you were telling me about uh, a moment where you got some confirmation from God and some peace from God in the midst of what could be a very anxious situation for all of us. So tell us about the, the morning you went for a walk at the beach. Well, you know, it is stressful. This, the whole illness through all these years and dealing with the heart, I've prepared myself at different times to be a widow, uh, you know, because I, I know God has all things in his hands, and we don't know what his plan is. We just want to be in his plan, and we want to follow him and do whatever. Um, so through this, I've just had such peace, supernatural peace. He's been, uh, just helped me to relax and, and to be, um, to be accepting of whatever his choice was, whether he would take him or not. Um, we have two children, they're both married, so we basically have four children, I love them all. We have four grandchildren, and for us, you know, to lose him would be, you know, devastating for us. He would be just great he's with Jesus you know which and and that's that's the whole thing with with death you know the ones left behind are the ones that struggle but god just really put peace in my heart through all of this it's uh, you know there've been moments of course but through all of it there's just been such peace in this one morning right after the transplant i had gone back home now the transplant was in orlando and we live in flagler beach so uh, the you know, the travel was pretty horrendous still is cuz we still go a lot but uh, I just woke up super early, which I'm not a morning person, but I just, the Lord just kind of woke me up, and I walked down to watch the sunrise, and I, it was just beautiful, and I took pictures, and, and it was just, just really beautiful, and had some really nice time with him, and came back, and was looking through the pictures, and this one picture just, I, it just took me back, and I saw an angel, and I just felt the peace of God just, come over me and just fill me. And, you know, I just felt that God had sent that just, just for me. And, uh, you know, he just, I just felt, and I still, you know, feel it. He's just given me peace in my heart. And that angel was there just to, just it's, you know, the Lord's just saying, I've got this. I've got this. No matter which direction he would go, he's got it. Whether he took him or left him here for us to love more people for a while longer. But it was just an amazing experience. And he's just, through all of this, I felt his peace and, and just the, the strength that he's given me to take care of him. Yeah, I, I think uh, she had it more difficult than I did. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was brought to the place where I was uh, ready to go and be with Jesus or ready to stay here. And it, it depended on him, and I was at peace with his choice. Um, all I had to do was lie there and, and be operated on. And most of the time they gave me enough uh, medication for pain that I wasn't in too much severe pain. But she 
suffered. <laughs> uh, you know, she did uh, so far beyond uh, what a person can normally do. She took upon her, herself um, the form of a servant and just, I just bless me beyond measure and I can't thank her enough and it's still going on just still going on because I'm still recuperating and, but you know God gave us one another to be helpmates to, to help each other out and um, I just thank the Lord for giving me such a faithful uh, loving wife I, I do want to share a little experience that I had well, one night um, they were moving me from a room to another room and I didn't get that uh, pain medication and I woke up in severe pain uh, and as I was there trying to pray it's hard to pray you know when you're in a lot of pain but I, I was trying and trying to worship the Lord and pray and give it to him um, I felt like something moved beside me and so I turned my head to look and God granted me a vision. What I saw was Jesus on the cross. And he turned his head and looked at me. And he didn't say anything to me, but in my mind, in my mind, it was, I know what you're going through. I'm here with you. And that took care of that situation. That just took care of it. I don't remember pain after that it was gone I guess or I just don't remember it because um, it was just wonderful and he is with us in every single thing every single experience and it's amazing there isn't a pain that, that we can go through that Jesus doesn't know there isn't a thing that you can experience on planet earth that he doesn't fully grasp and fully understand and that he's not fully there with you uh, walking that out so what a, what a neat gift in that moment. Now, Karen, you've played the incredibly difficult role of caregiver. Not that Pat's hard to you know, take care of or anything. I'm not saying that, Pat. I'm just, just saying yeah, being am. a caregiver <laughs> is a, a tough role. And I'm just curious, do we have any caregivers here today? You're taking care of somebody that, that needs it or you have or uh, it could be someone uh, in your family or somebody not in your family. See your hands again real quick. So a number of you, you know what that's like. Caregiving is a, a very difficult, difficult uh, thing to do. So Karen, would you just speak to our caregivers for a moment? Like, What encouragement would you give them for the role that they have? Well, most of the time when you become a caregiver, you're not really asking for it. You've never planned that oh, this is what, I'm going to be a caregiver. <laughs> you know, that's not how it happens. Um, of course, all we as wives are caregivers the minute we get married in that respect, but... <laughs> But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but to become a caregiver, you're not really looking for that to happen. It just kind of happens. You find yourself in that situation. And, you know, without, without having the strength of God in your heart with your relationship with Jesus to help you through it, it's very difficult. I can't imagine, you know, these people that, that run into these situations... God has helped me to serve, and that's what caregiving is, it's serving. And uh, we are all to be servants 
for Christ, but uh, you're a servant. You are giving care and taking care of someone, serving someone. Um, it, it can be, it's never easy. Sometimes it's overwhelming and you can just get so frustrated. A caregiver really, if you're a caregiver, you need to ask for support, for help. You need to really take care of yourself. You need to make sure that your relationship with the Lord is ongoing. Don't put him to the side because he's your strength through all of it. He's the one who helps you get through every day. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's never easy. It's never easy. So just pray, ask the Lord to help you, to be strong, to, to do what you have to do. And uh, because right now... I think I'm a nurse now with all the stuff I've done and uh, never planned on that. But, uh, you know, he, when he had his, his batteries, he had an open wound. I had to change his dressing every day and he just was in the hospital for five days again. He's on anti-rejection uh, drugs, which causes your immune system to be low. So he has to be very careful with germs and he got a little infection in his blood, a bacterial infection. So I gave him IVs twice a day. Uh, we had the pole and the needles and, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, um, it's not something I would choose to do, but I, I feel blessed to be able to do it. To, I feel blessed that I'm able to take care of him like he needs it, and I'm hoping someday he'll take care of me like that, too, if I need but it. But not under the same situation. Not under the same circumstances. <laughs> but he's got a 30-year-old heart there, so I, I don't think he's yeah. ready for that. Yeah, yeah. He's, I know. He's ready to go. I know he is. So... Um, Pat, as we're wrapping up here and, and we're all going to be heading into our week, and as people are looking back at today in this conversation, like, what do you want them to be chewing on all week long and, and beyond that? Yeah. Uh, what I want for everyone is to keep striving for a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and I want you to understand that it's right now. Today is the day of your salvation. Now is the time. You have only now. If you think you have tomorrow, it's an illusion. What you have is your life now. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? What if it's over today? That's not a bad thing, by the way. Not if you know Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I want him to come, don't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah, come, Lord Jesus. What does that mean? My flesh dies. Flesh and blood won't inherit the kingdom of God. But you will be transformed. So, I want you to see this in clarity, in in, uh, in reality for yourself. I want you to live as if you are dying today, because you are. And don't be afraid of death. Love Jesus. When you, when you know, when you believe, death has no power over you anymore. It has no sting I'm going to be with Jesus if I die. Good. Wonderful. And if I live, if I live, 
I want to lay down my life. I want to lay down my will. I want to die for love. Not physically, necessarily, but in here. I want to die to my flesh for love. Just the same way Jesus did. Even as the Father sends me, so send I you. Those are amazing words that Jesus said. Jesus, you're alive, so Jesus has sent you to lay down your life for the love of others. That's your calling. No matter if you're a preacher, a teacher, a candlestick, no, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're called. And I want to thank you all so very much. I'm off track now. But I want to thank you so much for the ministry of intercession. I didn't say that in the last group, and I wish I had. But your intercessory prayers uh, were such a comfort. You were an integral part of God's ministry to us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we thank you so much for that. But um, please understand that if you're married, just gaze into your husband's eyes or your wife's eyes right now. Right now, I have an opportunity. I have an opportunity to love you today, to really love you. She has an opportunity to really love me today. Look at your children. You have an opportunity today. Today God has given it to you to love your children. Same way for you kids. I know, they can get on you. But love them. That's what God's called you to do. Isn't it nice that it's not so hard? It's not a list of a thousand things you have to check off. It's just love. When you love, you complete all the law and the prophets. And he's there with that gift. He enters in. You walk about and have your existence in God. And he turns around and comes and lives in you through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? You're never alone. Never, ever alone. So, please take advantage of the opportunity God has given you today. Think about it every day. Every day I wake up, that's what I try to do now. I wake up and I try, Jesus, good morning, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me love today. So, let me leave you with that again. What is that? That's great, live like we're dying. Live like we're dying. Yeah, uh, you, you had mentioned that concept multiple times in our conversation, and I thought, what a profound thing for all of us. You know, here you are looking at the reality of that physically, and for us, uh, that's still reality for us as well. You know, we're not promised tomorrow. Um, the Bible does teach that each of us has an appointment with death, and then we'll stand before God and give an account for our lives. So are you ready for that day? If that day were today or tomorrow or 10 years from now or 20 years from now, hopefully it's a long time from now, but uh, regardless of when it is, are you ready for that day? Are you ready to stare into the eyes of a holy God and give an account for how you chose to live your life? 
So I think every day we need to, to keep that in front of us. Live like we're dying. Because today could be that day that we finish this life and we start life in eternity. So we've got a music video we want you to watch here that kind of captures that thought. And then uh, we're going to pray at the end of that. So watch this. So would you help me thank Pat and Karen for being here today? We love you guys, and I ask for you to continue to pray for them on this journey. Um, We're going to actually end today with two prayers from them. So I'd like to ask if you are a caregiver currently or if you've been a caregiver in your life and you understand the difficulty of that, I'm going to ask you to do something really weird, but it'll be okay. I'm going to ask you to stand so we can pray for you. I'm going to have Karen pray for you. So you can go ahead and just stay standing if you would. I know it's weird, but it'll be all right. We're just going to pray for you. And then in just a minute, everybody else is going to stand. You understand the the complexities and the difficulty of caregiving uh, like many don't. And um, I just wanted Karen to pray for you in your role as a caregiver. So Karen, would you pray for these fine folks? Happy to. Lord Jesus, I lift these caregivers up to you, Lord ask that you put your hand on them, touch their hearts. Lord, give them hearts of compassion and make them serving, Lord. Give them that serving heart, but give them that compassion and that love for those people that they're caring for. Give them strength, give them the will to to push through and do all those things which are required of them, but help them to do it with a happy heart. And Lord, let those around them be aware of, of, their, of the caregiver situation, that they need that support as well. And, and help us all to, to work with each other and help each other. When we see someone that's a caregiver, support them, Lord. Help these women to be supported by all those around them. Touch them, Lord. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. And give them peace and direction. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask everybody else to stand. I'm going to have Pat close us out in our service today. So, Pat, would you pray for all of us? Oh, Holy Father, we just thank you so very much. We thank you for all that you have done and are doing in our lives. Father, I just pray for each and every individual here. I love them, and I know you love them. And I just ask that you strengthen us in our inner man. Strengthen us and help us to be transformed into your image. Let us walk out of here today, Lord God, with the hope and the understanding that you have given us a great opportunity. Not only have you saved us from from judgment, saved us from condemnation, given us what no one else could give us by grace, our salvation. But you have made it possible, Lord, today to love someone in your love. So Father, just fill us with your love. Fill us with your love and help us, Lord, to give that love to everyone we come in contact with. Help us to see what a great privilege you have given us. In Jesus' name, I ask it, amen. Amen. Amen.
If you would like to talk with Pat or Karen after the service, they're both going to be up here. You can pray with them or just come and talk with them. And remember, I invite you to come back next week because it's going to be a week you will not soon forget. Have a great week, everybody.